Hey everybody, so today is going to be a little bit different than usual. I will not be doing a full episode. This is just a brief little snippet of what's going on in the world today. Really, actually, this week. It's me literally spitballing, uh, very spur of the moment, no pre-planning, just talking to you frank and honest, and no editing either, so how do you like that? So yeah, if you are feeling a bit depressed and you want to hear my wonderful voice, very soothing, uh, you are more than welcome to go onto the SoundCloud or find us on iTunes. Type in the Imposter Podcast and look for episodes over the last few weeks. If you're interested, I'll let you know. We had one on Superpowers last week. That was episode 12. Episode 11, we had the guest star, Dr. Daniel Duick, who is a lead HIV researcher at the National Institutes of Health, that is in the U.S. of A. And before that, we had a, a great series on animal ingredients in things that aren't food. So we did um, cosmetics and medicine and all, all, all sorts of things. So Again, if you're interested, check us out, go through some past episodes, and yeah, enjoy this one. We live in an age based on science and technology with formidable technological powers. And if we don't understand it, by we I mean the general public, if it's something that, oh, I'm not good at that, I don't know anything about it, then who is making all the decisions about science and technology that uh, are going to determine what kind of future our children live in? We've really got to start at the earliest levels with having a broader view of what education really can and should be. Because I find that with the young people we have, we are able to motivate them. Science is all around us. It's in us. Knowledge of science is power. It gives you an understanding of the forces of nature. It's not even about how much science you know. It's about how science literature you are. Hello, all you listeners out there in Internet land. Welcome to today's episode-ish of The Imposter. Now, we're not going to do what we normally do on The Imposter, and it's not going to be a thoroughly researched or an interview. This is a shortened, quick episode because I didn't have a lot of time over the last few weeks. And essentially, we're just going to do a rundown of some important news that has come out in science and tech in the last week or so. So, first things first, we'll just jump right into it. The World Health Organization has recently re released a new report that basically looked at the cases of diabetes over the last 30, 34 years, between 1980 and 2014, and found that, in fact, around the world, diabetes uh, um, diagnoses has not doubled, not tripled, it has quadrupled in the last 30 or so years. And this is due probably to a variety of reasons. We have a poor access to nutritional food. We have lack of education telling us what a good and balanced diet is. And we have an influx, a very, very uh, subsidized and, and cheap diet that is given to many, many people around the world that consists of, you know, processed foods and sugars and carbohydrates that 
really has very little nutritional content in it. And frankly, we're seeing the results of that now. And this is especially true, uh, they found, in countries of particularly low income and um, impoverished places. And, you know, you, you can say that on a, on a state level, on a national level, when you're talking about countries, but also, you know, you look at the U.S. and, and similar things happen. I mean, there's a very interesting piece, I think it was on The Daily Show, uh, it was some, some Comedy Central show that was investigating about food deserts. And essentially, it's in urban areas that just don't have access to actual grocery stores. And so people literally get their food from 7-Elevens, Quick Marts. I mean, you know, you're eating everything that comes out of a bag that's been processed, that has a lot of stabilizers and preservatives and all all those fun chemicals that you read on the side of the packaging. Anyway, so that is probably, you know, just one sneak peek into the possibilities to why I'm sure they'll be doing more research and having to, in some way, respond to this global rise in diabetes. Now, the next bit we're going to be talking about is actually something that was in an imposter episode a few weeks ago, and it was during our series on animal ingredients, and it was the medical episode. And we were talking about early on transplants that they would take uh, dogs and uh, pigs and monkeys and try and transplant different body parts onto either other dogs and pigs and whatnot, or in some cases, humans. And in the news this week, we have the headline, Baboon with Transplanted Pig Heart Survives for Nearly Three Years. And this is actually something that we, again, talked about in the episode. So I would refer you to go back a few episodes and listen to that because it's fascinating. But essentially, uh, this story is a continuation of that, and it's a pig heart that was transplanted um, into a baboon, and it has kept it alive and still pumping for the last three years. And this has been going on in the National Institutes of Health, the NIH, which, if you remember, we had our guest, Dr. Daniel Dweck, uh, Dweck uh, a few weeks ago as well, who was the HIV researcher who also worked at the NIH, though the interview was of no affiliation with the NIH. Now, this is remarkable because it opens the door to a few different things, uh, primarily, if we can grow hearts, or uh, if you want to get all science fiction and harvest hearts from animals, uh, we won't need to rely on a donor list as heavily if they're made more readily available. So, a lot of potential for the future, very interesting uh, direction that we could be heading in. Uh, now, the next thing that was interesting was something that I think relates again to last week's imposter episode uh, about superpowers and superheroes. Now, this one is a study that was done based on salamanders and different fish, mainly zebrafish, that all have the ability to regenerate lost limbs and whatnot. Now, we all know if you break a bone, if you cut yourself, yeah, your skin or your bones will heal and mend over time, uh, but there probably be will you'll have scarring. Now, with this study, they found that you know we we know that 
salamanders and starfish and zebrafish, if you cut a limb off, they will grow with a large energy uh, expenditure. It does take a lot of energy to grow back a limb, so it's not like they can do it willy-nilly. But at the same time, they wanted to know where these genes come from that you can actually regenerate your limbs. And so they looked back and they did uh, a phylogenetic tree and tried to see where the salamander and the zebrafish and all these regenerating qualities merged. Uh, and, and if humans somewhere down our history, down our phy phylogenetic tree, if we had this ability, and it goes way back before the salamanders and way back before these zebrafish, um, but the genes are in there. And now the question is, can we express those genes now? Can we manipulate them to possibly, somewhere down the line, be able to regenerate lost limbs? And if we can, that is an unfortunate, a very unfortunate business move for the prosthetics uh, companies because, frankly, if you could grow a limb instead of have a limb, what would you do? Question to ponder. Actually, I will say this. If you could get a robotic arm that would let you lift stuff without ripping off every time, I, I, I think I might do that. If I lost an arm, obviously I wouldn't replace an arm, but hey, things to consider. Now, moving on to space. We have recently discovered that supermassive black holes are a lot more common than we previously thought, which, if you know anything about supermassive black holes, is quite terrifying. Um, I remember watching my first YouTube, which I will post onto the blog for this little short blurb episode, but essentially describing the supermassive black holes and kind of terrifying, especially when you realize how prevalent they truly might be. Um, so I will, again, I'll post YouTubes explaining what supermassive black holes are and also um, why they might be more prevalent. Now, the last thing we're going to briefly talk about before I wrap this thing up is we're going to leave it on a lighthearted note. And that is that of all places in the entire world, and I'm frankly, I'm very surprised. I would have thought this would have been the United States, but the United Kingdom has opened its doors to the National Pooh Museum. And if you're wondering if that is something else, no, it's not. It's exactly what it sounds like. It is a museum directly focused on feces. And to be fair, you can learn a lot from feces. But at the same time, I'm going to find it hard to, when family comes to town and they ask what we can do, say, oh, let's go to the Pooh Museum. Just doesn't, just doesn't sound as enticing as the Science Museum or the Natural History. But hey, it could be great. I don't know. I'm judging before I've gone. So I'm a big fan of Pooh. I do it all the time. Um, all right. So that is our rundown for today. I just wanted to put something up. Um, and I will put links to everything I've talked about and more. So if you're interested about what is going on in science today, follow the blog, follow the SoundCloud, like us on Facebook, share us on Facebook, tell your friends, tell your family, subscribe on iTunes, leave a comment because without your support, I'm nothing but a humble, creepy, grumpy young man sitting on his couch watching his cat 
to lick itself. Mm. Yes. Alright, folks. We will see you next week with a brand new imposter episode. And with that, have a great weekend. See you then.